Hello once again. This is a raw perspective, a fresh point of view. I'm your host, Richard Anthony Wallace, back in the lab again for episode seven, Black in the Burbs. Shout out to my brother, Kyle Hardfingers Wallace, for always giving the intro music and the ending music. You can follow my brother at Hardfingers on Instagram. The information is below on this podcast. The topic today, being black in the suburbs or black in the burbs. I'm going to give you my perspective from sixth grade all the way until high school because those were the most salient memories that I have from my experience. So if we're talking sixth grade, we're going right to 2001. It's 2001. I was starting sixth grade at Jeffrey C. Still Middle School. Yeah, Still Middle School is where I was going to school. And in 2001, this is when the boom of hip hop culture had gone mainstream into white America and white, the white community. So my black self was out the loop because, yeah, I've heard R&B hits and, and all that, but I wasn't listening to the mainstream hip-hop artists of the time. I think the ones that were navigating the charts during 2001 was Ludacris, 50 Cent, those, those men in, in general. So coming in sixth grade, I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> I was just getting on a bus. I just finally got a cell phone that was a flip phone that only called 911 and my mother. But getting on the bus, I noticed that a couple of my neighbors who were white were dressing very differently. They were dressing in baggy jeans. They had their Walkmans. And they was imitating what I know today is black culture. Um, Rapping all the different songs, saying... Who knows what with all the derogatory slurs that were in music that I still listen to today. Um, But the one thing that caught me off guard is when the white kids kept saying nigga every time the rap artist would say nigga. And that took me back. And I was like, okay, what the fuck is going on? Um, Because me from a black community... Obviously, if you've seen, I think, the CNN special uh, with Mark Lamont Hill and 2 Chains when they're talking about the N-word conversation, and you can look it up, and I'll put the link on here to talk about the difference between when black folks are saying nigga versus white folks saying nigga. So as for black people, it's a term of endearment. It's, it's, it's a sense of friends, but from the other implications of another race, it is hurtful. It is, it is reminding those of the past of years and years of challenges and persecution and ridicule. Now, those that are my international listeners, uh, this is primarily 
challenges that I've seen in America, but I know that there are racial implications that happen overseas as well. I know there are racial implications that happen over in France. I know there's racial implications that happen over in the United Kingdom, uh, so on and so forth. So this is not a one-off thing. But being black, going to school there, it, it was it was definitely eye-opening, and it was making me angry internally, and I didn't really have a, a network that I can go to because with the other black kids, the other black kids got onto the to the wave of, of the new mainstream hip hop um, coming into middle school, and I was the the odd duck out. Um, so the white kids and the black kids were getting all together, singing the same music, and I'm just like, what the hell is going on? Um, so, like I said, I was too black for the white kids. And then I was too white for the black kids. But then it seemed like there was a union amongst those individuals. And there weren't that many black kids that went to middle school and high school with me. I can't even count the people on my fingers of who went to middle school and high school with me. A lot of them went to the same church that I did, the black women that went to the same church as me. Um, There was only like a couple that were nice to me, but the rest were just mean to me and made fun of me. Um... Even today's standard, those women still made fun of me. So I never really fit in with the black community. So they thought I was too white for them. But then when I would try to hang out with the white kids, I wasn't black enough for them because they would use terms like I was an Oreo, meaning that black on the outside, white on the inside, and I talked white. First of all, talking white is, I don't know if that's supposed to be a negative because of the way that I enunciate different words and all of that. But being 11, 12 years old, that shit's hurtful because you don't have an outlet to to talk to anybody and the only people that are your parents and your parents are like, well, whoop their ass. And I wanted to fight everybody, but then I didn't have anybody to have my back if I was going to be fighting people. And I didn't want to be labeled as the angry black person fighting people left and right in middle school and then going all the way up into high school. Other challenges that I dealt with. So playing football, um, like touch football, you would have the white kids in the neighborhood that were my neighbors that would say all the black shit and be like, oh, I'm, I'm blacker than you, blah, 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 all of that. I'm like, what the fuck does that even mean you're blacker than me? First of all, if we want to, I, I can go on and on with this podcast and I can break it down from the racial implications. You don't know shit about being a black person unless you are a black person, particularly in the United States of America, with all the different racial implications that happen in the suburbs. That shit used to piss me off. And there was one time that we were playing football and a couple of our neighbors were around, and I just had it because they were talking all this mad shit, and we scored a touchdown, and one of the white kids got in my face and called me a stupid-ass nigga, and that's when I went ballistic. And I have record accounts from my neighbors to saw that I whooped the shit out of this one kid. And I am usually not a very violent person, but that was the day that I had it. And I went off on this kid. This man was red, redder than Santa Claus' rosy red cheeks. And I am not 
I try not to be a violent person. I try to remain calm, even kill, because I know that if I have any sense of anger, particularly in America, that could be a threat to my life. You see it all the time. I have to remain calm, cool, and collected in any nature that I am composed of. And that shit sucks. Especially when you cannot express emotions and we have to repress emotions just for us to maintain survival, particularly for me as a black man in America growing up in the suburbs. So white kids saying whatever they want here in the suburbs, I'm blacker than you, blah, blah, blah. You ain't this, you ain't that. You talk white. That shit is hurtful. Another thing that pissed me off is when they try and touch my head whenever I got a haircut. And that shit happened like a few times. And I'm like, why are you touching my head? It's like, oh, it feels so different. It's like, I don't go ahead and touch your head. Like, what gives this individual the right to touch my head like I'm some damn dog? You shouldn't have put your hands on me in the first place. And then getting tag teamed, you know, getting hit in the side, back back of my head by like a couple people because I had no one to have my back in middle school or high school. And there was one time, there was one of the football players who was actually a biracial individual um, who was siding, I guess you could call it siding with the, the white community because he was on the football team, uh, six feet tall, jock. I was sitting down. He smacked me in the back of my head. And me, I was about five foot six, five foot seven back in high school. I had it and I smacked him in the back of his head. And everybody was trying to get us to do this one big ass fight. And it was a football game, so he wasn't going to fight me. And I wasn't going to fight him, but I was going to smack the shit out of him with a book because I had a book in my hand. And it would have been all out war. And I never want to be perceived as the angry black person. But when people test you time and time again, they always do it. So high school experience, middle school experience, dealing with white kids, saying nigga this, nigga that, especially with language, um, dressing and hip hop attire, doing all of this. And then I see these individuals today from Facebook and other social media outlets like LinkedIn, they're all cleaned and polished, suit and tie, smiling. And I know that there is some underlying root shit that they did when they was in high school. But they can say, oh, that was just child's play. I was trying to find myself, find my identity. And I have, I have straightened up and became a productive member of society. I call it bullshit because that shit is still deep-rooted in, in an individual. And I know these people, and I'm not going to call these people out because they know who they are. But it's the things that, that happen in the suburbs from my black perspective. And that shit is messed up. Another thing, going and driving in the suburbs, especially if you dealt with police officers. I don't know if your parents have taught you this, but my parents specifically taught me when I started driving how to... 
um, engage with a police officer if I were ever pulled over. I've been pulled over so many damn times. I, I have no more fingers and toes to count how many times I've been pulled over. I've never received a ticket, though. But I've been pulled over multiple times for... Oh, um, you rolled that stop sign. Or I saw a, a can that looked like you were driving um, under the influence or some random shit like that. So this is what my parents told me. My parents gave me a red pamphlet, courtesy of State Farm, with my ID and my insurance cards and the title to the car in this red envelope. I keep both of my hands with the red envelope in my left hand so that the cop coming up towards the driver's door's car can see my left hand with a red. Why is it red? Because red, you don't see no red gun. So it is red knowing that I am not a threat and it is visible and it is present. I roll the window not all the way down. I roll the window halfway and I cooperate with the officer saying, yes, sir, or yes, ma'am, whoever the individual is with an even keeled tone. Because if I were to have any sort of agitation or inflection in my voice, that means I could potentially get shot and killed in the suburbs, in the suburbs. So I have to remain cool, calm, and collected every single time that I have been pulled over. And then they say, you're free to go. And I say, thank you, officer. Have a nice day. Not in a condescending nature. It's just a respectful and polite nature. And that is how I've been taught to deal with police in the suburbs. Even me going to the malls. Me and my mother usually get followed around through the shopping malls. That's why we don't even go shopping anymore, um, because we're always being followed in Macy's or whatever store because there's the threat that we are supposed to steal something in the suburbs. Like, yes, I have certain privileges that I have talked about previously, but still getting persecuted and ridiculed that we are going to be some level of threat. That's some bullshit things that I had to deal with in the suburbs. Uh, especially the time when I tried to hang out with, with white community because I didn't fit in with anybody. So black community wasn't taking me in. So I dealt with the, the white kids. They had these big old mansion parties with their keystone light when their parents were out of town having all this hip-hop music, and I would be like the only black person there being offered Keystone Light, various illicit drugs that I would not take because that's not the person that I am. And I would just observe this shit like, what the hell is going on? It just seems like, from my perspective, that they were seeking attention from parents that weren't there all the time. And I was fortunate enough to have parents that were influencing my life and the decisions that I made. So I thank them for the opportunity for me living in the suburbs. But I hated living in the suburbs. I still hate living in the suburbs. I appreciate living in the city right now, even though that the city is slowly 
but steadily becoming gentrified each and every single day. And I'm very conscious of this and pushing out those from marginalized groups and identities being kicked out of their homes so that we can have these multi-million dollar condos with a rustic look every single day. And it, and it sucks. Like how society has pushed out those in the marginalized communities and, and the people in the suburbs are increasing their taxes. So you have these marginalized communities not able to afford where they live. So it's fucked up. Uh, but that, that is living in, in the suburbs and me being able to quote unquote talk white. This is how I talk. This is how my dad talks. I sound exactly like my father. Uh, that's how he talks. But me being able to talk white, no, it's being able to have a, a eloquent conversation with, with the best of them. I can go into any other place, any other community. I can talk with the best of them, ones from Fortune 500 companies. And then I can talk to people from those marginalized communities just like a regular-ass individual. Because at the end of the day, we got the same damn 24 hours. We all are born to live, and we are born to die. 200 years from now, nobody is going to give a shit about who we are. That, that is reality and that is fact. So me having the privilege of living in the suburbs, I thank my parents for putting me in the situation to go to these schools which are deemed elite. I don't understand why they're deemed elite because those from a majority population make it elite. Is that the reason why? We can go into more in depth about that. But... I do thank them for that privilege to do that, but I realize as I grew up and my almost 30 years in life of who I am, I identify as a black man in America that has many different privileges, but I do realize that these privileges can be taken away at any single second because, one, I am a black man from a marginalized identity, and they can take that shit away from me any second. That is why... I go in with my authentic self every single day. And this is my authentic self. Yes, I'm not going to be cussing at work because that's not the person I am at work. A version of me at work, you're still getting the same authentic me, but I'm not going to be cussing because I know where I can. I don't have that privilege to just speak my mind when I please because that could be my job. Um, but I have nothing to say negatively about that opportunity. Um, or me going to different venues and events or social gatherings, being able to speak my mind, it depends on the mood and it depends on the setting and depends on who's who's there. Code switching is real. Like I can code switch left or right like it's organic. That is, I think, just bred in folks' DNA. Like I said, being able to talk to the best of the best with them and being able to talk to the homies from the street that I got cousins that, that grew up in the hood, being able to relate with them. Yeah, I might not be really able to relate with them on that standpoint, but we can relate as being black individuals in America. And that shit is real. That is realer than real. So being black in the suburbs, yes, again, thank my parents for the opportunity to put me in these schools because they wanted me to learn anything that I can. And I did learn a lot. Um, I, I learned a lot about how the game of life is played. 
and being able to utilize the game of life to my advantages and hopefully help the next generation of individuals that will be able to go on and go forth and make the best of themselves. But we still got a long way to go, especially with the demographics of this America, the challenges that we face. It's, it's a country divided, and we have a long way to go before anything happens to make it better. But we as the people have the opportunity to do so. And I guess my experience from living in the suburbs was had it has its positives and negatives. Uh, that's why I went to a HBCU because historically black college or university for those that don't know so that I can be engulfed around the black community because I was tired of living around predominantly white folks during my time from sixth grade all the way into high school. But then if you read or listened to my other podcast, you'll understand why I didn't last that long at HBCU. Life, man, life. But I'm going to close with this. If you felt and resonated with this, go feel free to share it through all your social media webs. Uh, and the next topic, next episode is definitely going to be a heavy one. Uh, it's going to be t- talking about my father. Um, and yeah, that's going to be a real challenging one for me. So, But I'm going to tell the story and be authentic and be truthful. But again, my name is Richard Anthony Wallace. This is A Raw Perspective, a fresh point of view. 